It is an interesting world that we find ourselves in, a world that is filled with critical theory, where there is this mindset now that really wants to strip away everything that we have physically known here in the United States and rework it. There is a world that is crying for change, but the change that they are crying for, even though they may obtain it, it still will not meet the needed change that they truly need in their life. They're trying to fix up the tent where they need to be concerned, not with the outward things, but with the inward things. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So today we're going to look at a message that I titled, We Walk by Faith. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 11, we're going to see a tent or a house in verses 1 through 4, faith or sight, verses 5 through 9, and the Bema seat, verses 10 and 11. It's really the teaching on the portion of the Bema seat that caused me to slow down this teaching this week because I didn't want to quickly go over that. It's so important for us to understand uh, the Bema seat. And so we're going to get into this message. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 4 right now. A tent or a house, we'll read the context, open us in prayer, and get into God's word. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. And so, Father, I pray that you would guide the teaching of your word this morning. Lord, I've went over this. I have my notes, but I just pray that your Holy Spirit would interrupt me. It's my prayer, Lord, that the Spirit was with me as I put my notes together, but Holy Spirit, if need be, interrupt me that we would hear from you this day. Our hearts, Lord, want to be in tune with you, and we know, Lord, that we are in a good place. We're looking into your word, 
We're going to learn about the importance of walking by faith. We're going to learn about the Bema Seat judgment. These are all good things, Lord, but let it be more than just a head knowledge. Lord, let it be a knowledge that goes deep in our hearts. Help us, Lord, through your spirit, teach our spirits this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So a tent versus a house. We kind of get this picture. It's pretty easy when we talk about a tent versus having a house. And, and we're going to see this. And Paul makes this comparison. Now, in Paul's day, it was even to this day over in Israel. You still have Bedouins that live in tents. Their tents have television and they might even, well, if they have television, they have electricity. They're pretty fancy tents. But nonetheless, they're still tents. They're still mobile. They're still able to pick up and move and to follow the Bedouins there in Israel, to follow their flocks as they go through the wilderness places in Israel. And so even to this day in Israel, you'll see those who are living in tents. Maybe they've gotten a little fancier in the living in the tents, but it was a pretty common sight in Paul's day. And so to compare the living in a tent versus living in a house, he says in verse one, we know that if this earthly house, this tent talking about our bodies is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So a house simply in the Greek is a word that refers to a dwelling place. It's where someone lives. A tent refers to something that is temporary. And so the building, it could speak about any structure, any type of building that we might talk about, either a house, of course, is a building, but also we could think about some greater structures that we have. While on this earth, we all dwell somewhere, whether in a house, in a tent at times, or in a building, and these places, they're technically, even today, they're temporary. Though some may consider a house, a permanent dwelling, a permanent place, we know that those things can be quickly stripped away. A fire can go through and rage through a house and all that you have been saving, sometimes you wonder why you keep stuff since you were a kid, but you still have it and that could be gone. Those dwelling places are temporary. They can, in just a matter of a few hours or even a matter of moments, be wiped away. But Paul He's comparing our mortal bodies to these houses, these tents or buildings, which our bodies are in this process of decay and will one day be destroyed. And Paul says, you know, that's OK. I'm putting words in his mouth, but this is how I worded it. That's OK for when this mortal body is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house made without hands, eternal in the heavens. At the fall, when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered into this world, and along with sin came death. In Romans 5.12, it tells us, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. Thankfully, God, though, has made a provision for our redemption through the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Again, it's his death burial, resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father 
that he has made a way possible for us, though we are in this decaying body and some are thinking, man, I, I'm still growing. I'm not decaying yet. And you're probably right physically talking that way. But we all are in this process in this life. And the life will actually, physical life on this earth, eventually it will come to an end. Jesus has made it possible that we can have a permanent dwelling. While in this world, we live in these houses, these tents of flesh. And yet, though we are in the world, we are not to be of the world. Jesus said in John 17, 14 through 16, in his great priestly prayer that he prayed there before he went to the cross, he said, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. While we're in this world, we are to live and conduct ourselves as believers in Jesus Christ, but we are not to walk by sight because we are not of this world. We are to walk by faith. For those who walk by faith, they look forward to that heavenly habitation, that house that the Lord is building for us. It would be like we become like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, where the Bible tells us they dwelt as sojourners in the land of promise because Hebrews 11.10 tells us they waited for a city which has foundations, which builder and maker is God. It is an interesting world that we find ourselves in, a world that is filled with critical theory, where there is this mindset now that really wants to strip away everything that we have physically known here in the United States and rework it. There is a world that is crying for change, but the change that they are crying for, even though they may obtain it, it still will not meet the needed change that they truly need in their life. They're trying to fix up the tent. They're trying to make the tents of flesh look a little better in this world where they need to be concerned not with the outward things, but with the inward things. If they would take and work on the inside, that which would the Lord could renew then the outside, though it is perishing and fading, and we would find that the Lord would be renewing us day by day, it would actually change how we conduct ourselves while in this life. So we are to groan for life, verses 2 through 4. He twice said we're to groan. I don't know if you have those groaning moments, for those of us who are 60 plus. We probably have. He says, and maybe Paul, being 60 plus, he's like, man, this fits perfect. <laughs> For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed where mortality may be swallowed up by life. As believers, we groan in these earthly tents, longing for our heavenly habitation. Our current bodies, they've been designed for this planet and this planet alone. 
They're earthbound. We are earthlings, although that might not be politically correct to say anymore. Our bodies have been designed to function on this planet. But for us to be able to be in heaven's glory, there needs to be a transformation. There needs to be a change. And I'm so thankful that one day we'll shed this earthly tent. I have to tell you that I really don't want to occupy heaven's glory for all eternity with the uh, things that's slowly happening in my body right now. One of the Calvary Chapel pastors, Don McClure, just kind of came to thought here. He used to pray, Lord, take all of me. And then as he grew older, he had a mini stroke that blinded him in one eye. About a year later, he lost one of his lungs. And he just had all these things where parts of his body began to fail. And he jokingly said once, after being blind in one eye and only having one lung, he said, I used to pray, Lord, take all of me. I didn't know he was going to take me part by part. (laughs) You know, we want the Lord to take us all at once. But I'm so thankful that one day we'll shed the tent of this flesh in order that we can occupy that eternal building from God. In other words, in no way do I want to take this decaying body of flesh into my heavenly home. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. And so we groan to shed this earthly tent that we might be clothed with immortality. In Romans 8, 23, it says not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So we groan as we wait for this mortality to be swallowed up by life. I really like how Paul worded that in verse 4. Let me find my right place here in my Bible. But the end of verse 4, he says, not that we should be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. We think of the end of mortality, it's death. We think of the end of life, meaning death, but Paul said, no, it's mortality will be swallowed up into life, into true life, through Christ Jesus our Lord. This swallowed up, actually coming from Isaiah 25, 8, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, The rebuke of his people will be taken away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. The Lord will swallow up death forever. So I I like that mortality may be swallowed up into life because we often think of death as an end. And Paul said, no, death of this physical body is not an end. It is a beginning. In Romans 8.11, it tells us, But if the spirit of him who has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Right now, while we live upon this earth, our home of our inward person is that the flesh kind of bodies embodies that spirit in their soul. 
And so we have this earthly flesh, this tent that Paul describes as here, this house that is a house of flesh, but it's actually housing our souls. It's housing our spirits. One day we'll shed this outward body, but our souls and spirit will continue on. We'll be given new bodies in the heavenly realm. A house not made with hands, Paul said, but eternal in the heavens. Second Corinthians 4.16, Paul says, We do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet inward man, our inward man, is being renewed day by day. It hasn't happened often, but Lily and I, throughout the years, we have gone camping. So we break out the tent or tents, depending on uh, what we're up to at that time. But we go someplace, we pitch a tent somewhere. It might be in the back of uh, the last times we've camped. has been right here on the grounds at Calvary Chapel of Lake Villa during family camp. But, you know, the first year we did family camp, Lily and I did not have a blow-up mattress. We just slept on the ground. We were younger back then. It didn't bother me to sleep on the ground. In fact, when I was a kid and would go camping, I didn't bring a pillow. I slept in shorts, so I'd just roll up my jeans and use it as a pillow. I didn't carry anything extra. Now it's like you want to bring the whole house into that little tent, and the little tent doesn't fit the whole house. We enjoy camping. Every year we do family camp. Lily says we should go camping with the kids. We never do, but she says it every year. It's like something she wants to do, dreams about doing something we do not do. But also, one of the things that at family camp, Lily and I do that many of you don't know, you know, we're up early to cook breakfast. So, we run home at like five o'clock, take showers, and then come back all fresh, ready to go. So we're not just hanging around all weekend without bathing. We, we're so close to the house, we use the house, take advantage of that. Every time we camp, we look forward to returning home because there at home, we have the running water, we have electricity, we have heat, we have air conditioning, we have a comfortable bed to sleep in. Our temporary camping trips They're really a perfect technology of this. And though in this life there are seasons of joy, there are seasons of difficulty, this planet is not to be the final destination. Heaven awaits those who put their trust in Jesus. So being no longer of this world, we are to groan for our heavenly home. We're also to... Walk by faith and not by sight. Our next point, verses 5 through 9, simply faith or sight. In verse 5 it says, we'll read the context. Now he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are confident. Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. 
So our guarantee that we have in verse 5, the Holy Spirit, he says, is a guarantee that the Lord has given us. It is God who has prepared for us this everlasting habitation, this everlasting home, this house in the heavenly realm. And that preparation work began with the work of Jesus Christ, which he did upon the cross. We do not obtain heaven because of anything that we have personally done, no work that we have personally done. We obtain this heavenly hope through the work of Jesus Christ. Again, his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father. The Bible tells us, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus then became the first fruits, plural, the first fruits of those who are heading to heaven. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, and also 22 and 23. I skipped one verse there just for time. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterwards those who are Christ at his coming. God has given us the spirit as a guarantee of our present redemption and our future transformation. We are, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are the redeemed of the Lord. That is a position that we have in Christ Jesus. We're not waiting for our redemption. As believers, we have been redeemed. Even though we're still in the body of flesh, even though we're still uh, in this tent and the tent might be getting older or maybe it's still growing and improving. We're still as the redeemed of the Lord. We stand in redemption. We're not looking for a future redemption. What we're looking for is our future transformation. And so until that time, the Lord has given us his spirit to occupy our hearts. He has given us his spirit as a guarantee uh, that Greek word simply means as earnest money. If you were translating it from the Greek, it means a pledge of something that stands for part of the whole. And so you've been given a, a down payment, we would say, of a future transaction. That future transaction is heaven's glory. That future transaction is that transformation of this body into that new house that the Lord has for us. But again, the soul, the spirit, it remains the same. Our soul spirit has been redeemed by the Lord. One day the Lord will give us a new house, a new home to occupy. Ephesians 1 verses 13 and 14. You cannot, I cannot, talk about the spirit being a guarantee without going to Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, where Paul says it this way. In him you have also trusted, after you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed by the spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. By the grace of God, we have been redeemed. We have been forgiven through the work of his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. We've also been indwelt by the Holy Spirit of promise, the Holy Spirit of promise then becoming that guarantee until we stand with our Lord and see him face to face. Our redemption is the work of the triunity of the Godhead. From start to finish, 
God has made the redemption of mankind possible. It is God who has sent his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world, to pay the price of our sins. It is Jesus who willingly offered himself upon the cross, who has become that substitution for our lives, that he could pay the price of our sin. And it is God the Holy Spirit who becomes that guarantee of that future inheritance. Our redemption from start to finish is a work of the triunity of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We'll get to this later in 2 Corinthians, but in chapter 13, verse 14, I love it that Paul mentions the three persons of the Godhead in this one verse. He says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Paul recognized, he understood that the work of our redemption is a work of the triunity of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.